Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I'm your host, and I am joined today by Miss Laura Schott. Welcome, Laura. Hey, Cassie. And you all know Laura from a few weeks ago on our podcast. We had her on. We heard her story. She is not only a former U.S. Women's National Team player, she is also a former pro soccer player. She is the current commentator for the Portland Thorns and um, a longstanding coach at all levels and currently at George Fox um, University. So we want to dive in and talk about an interesting topic today that Laura has some um, really good insight and knowledge about and just opinions, I would say, as do I. But um, over the last few months and in years, I guess we could say now, um, we have, we're starting to see with the NWSL um, young players starting to sign contracts at the age of 15 or younger. And every time this happens, it conjures up the story in the media about, is she too young? You know, what was the thought process? Is she just the most amazing next player? And there's all this hype around it. And, you know, similar to when Lindsay Horan and Mallory Pugh or Swanson came out and went straight, uh, you know, pro rather than college there's just there's these little stories that pop up and then nobody really kind of like dies down after a little while and we just kind of want to talk about it you know kind of give both sides to the argument leave it a little open-ended give our opinions um and just have a conversation and, and open it up to you the listener of what do you think we'd love for you to comment in in a, the social posts about this um get the conversation going um in a not necessarily a different direction but just let's get somewhere with it so um, without further ado, let's get started. So let's start two years ago or even longer. Um, the NWSL had a, a policy where players had to be 18 or older. And Olivia Moultrie uh, was fighting that. And Laura, you have a lot of insight. You live in Portland. You know her personally. Give us a little insight into her her journey, you know, a little bit, not too lengthy, because we'll go into the other players as well. But um, she's kind of the first. So what do you think about Olivia Moultrie and, and a little bit about her story? Gosh, I mean, if you go back, it's almost five years now when you talk about, um, you know, when I, uh, I guess, you know, became involved in in a small part of her journey and then, you know, I've been able to watch her develop and excel as she has um, in the organization. Um, you know, when she started her journey in Portland, she was, she was 13, right? We're talking about somebody who, you know, is, coming coming through junior high um and at the time you know there there wasn't as much conversation there weren't as many ex examples of people doing this um and she was really one of the first ones you mentioned um pew and you mentioned uh haran okay. but this was really within a league you know they had to figure out a number of things um on the just very quickly right um, she had been committed to UNC um, and had decided um, with her family that this was going to be um, a path that they could pursue. And family support, um, really nice people, always been very supportive. And uh, they made a decision to, to come to Portland, um, work with the organization with the Thorns. Um, and, you know, it really takes a unique person. I think we can all see that, can agree that that path isn't going to be a path for everybody, right? That's not something that your your average soccer player is ever going to see, do, maybe even think about. Um, so when you're looking at cases like this, when you're looking at athletes like this, um, 
you're really looking at the top, what, 0.0001% of athletes. So, you know, it's, they're all anomalies. Um, as we're seeing these players come out, this is new. Um, but when she started, it was, it was like, you know, just, just the league trying to figure it out, trying to navigate labor laws, trying to figure out, you know, um, how do you accommodate an athlete that is a minor, um, but is just so extraordinarily talented um, that really they can belong, can compete um, and do well in that environment that early. And uh, I got to be part of, of those logistics. Um, you know, my role in it was that I was running a DA program and she would come get minutes with us um, when she was training with the Thorns. Um, just to, you know, you have to, you have to play games, right? And so um, we got to fill that role and to watch her develop was, was awesome. But I would certainly say that that path isn't for many, um, but for the ones that can pursue it, that do pursue it, that um, like her have shown that, you know, they can excel in it, they can develop. Um, I think that it's a, a viable path. And it's so fascinating because when she first came out and this was happening, this was like our first month as a podcast, basically, this was happening. And so we recorded a couple um, a couple episodes about her and it was so new that we, we were very reactive to it. And now it's been a few years and I think, um, not that my position has changed on it fully, but I do think we're going to see, I put it out on our social this past week, um, as we've seen in the last month and a half, two new players have also signed in the NWSL. We have um, most recently Melanie Bersanis, I'm hope, hopefully I'm saying that last name right, um, <laughs> and Chloe Ricketts at Washington Spirit. And I think that both players are 15. And um, I put out on our social about whether or not we feel like this is a trend or this is something that's just the wave of the future, it's just gonna keep happening. And I think, I feel like I know the answer to that. What do you think about that? Do you think this is a trend that's gonna like just pop up and die down or do you think this is gonna continue? Gosh, I mean, I I tend to dive into the, the history of things. I like looking at things from a perspective of like, you know, it's not an isolated incident. You know, what, what has been the environment? What are the things surrounding the situation? Um, you know, if we look at this from, I think, a top-down national team level, developing players to play at the highest levels, the United States um, on the women's side had an advantage always with, with having NCAA sports. Um, and if you go back 20, 30 years, uh, a lot of the top players, not, not all by any means, but a lot of the top players were going to, you know, a select number of schools. They weren't as wide as they are now, right? We've got a lot more schools that um, develop players within the NCAA system. Um, so when other countries didn't value, didn't have, didn't, you know, develop women's programs, um, weren't participating in World Cup qualifiers, weren't participating in World Cups. Um, in the United States, we had this built-in development system that just happened to be through the NCAA, right? So players would be at a club, um, the rules were different. You could um, you could get around some of the rules a lot easier 20, 30 years ago. Um, so uh, it was different. It was a different time. And now you've seen really accelerating over the last 10 years that as other countries have developed players, have developed leagues, have invested on the women's side, now you see development systems in other countries, they don't they don't have the NCAA 
what they have is they have clubs that develop players much like the men's side would have and they're looking at that model so they don't they don't get to be they don't graduate from high school and then go on to college and that's where they develop they're in a development system they're in a proper development system that starts when they're young um, or they're found usually you know at a younger age um, and then they develop into being a 13 14 15 year old and the most elite players can continue bounce up to a a pro team and they can play with professionals whether that's in practice or they start to play in games that development system is integrated right so if you look at a club like i don't know arsenal you look at barcelona you look at those clubs they're not producing players with the intent of sending them to college they're producing players with the intent of signing them and those are very different things so as that has has happened the women's game has developed in other countries you're seeing a different system in place that um, really prepares or intends to prepare players to develop and then if they are elite enough stay in the system play for a professional team rather than get kicked out of the system into a different system and then back into a third system which is a professional team mm -hmm. right so those systems are more integrated up and down um so now we're looking at in the in the united states obviously we for the majority of players not necessarily the ones we're talking about right now the majority of players, you go to college and then you get drafted or you go try out and you try to pursue uh, playing if you uh, choose to or you're good enough to. Um, in other countries, that, that system is vastly different just because the NCAA doesn't exist in the form that it um, or doesn't exist as it does in the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a very fascinating point that um, and you and I are a product of playing at at that in the college system and it's sort of what we've all been trained to do on the women's side yeah um, being married to somebody who uh played professionally for eight years he and and kind of growing up at the same time period college was also that avenue but my husband went pro at 20 or 19 maybe it was 20 i i should know this but whatever um <laughs> um and you know he left college uh to pursue a pro career and it was even then a bit controversial for all of us to deal with and um, navigate. Um, and now being older and retired from the sport, I would say it 100% affected his trajectory of his life, his journey, his opportunities. And so when, um, so I come from some different opinions, but before I give mine, I, I would love to, I would love to provide both sides of the argument because every time we post something about any of these players, people have a lot of opinions. We get DMs, we get emails. And so um, I just, I wanna kind of throw it out there. So let's start with um, the positives of going pro at a young age. And like you said, you're looking at the 0.0001% of players, but I do think this is not going away. I think that the future of the sport is going to come up with new systems to help players develop younger and go pro younger. So in that, knowing that that's gonna happen, what, what do you think are some positives of players being able to do this at a young age? I'd say that the, the main positive is that if you take that, that you know, very elite top tier of players, uh, that there is an additional, um, or now we're establishing an avenue for them to essentially accelerate their development because they're not being held back with players that aren't as elite as them. 
so they can move forward and continue to be challenged. One thing that is extremely important in development is that you continue to be stretched, right? If you're playing against players that are not as good as you all of the time, it's really hard for anybody, not just these players, but for anybody to continue to improve. So if you stay in an environment where you're the best and you're always the best, you know, you're not really seeing the next level. You're not having to experience the next level. So these players get to experience that. They get to see it. It tends to stretch you as an elite player. You get to see somebody play against somebody who's playing for a national team or whatever that next step is that you're pursuing. You get to see them and play against them. And it's a different experience playing against somebody who's next level that can stretch you rather than talking about it or watching them. Um, and I, I felt, you know, I still feel I was fortunate. One of the biggest things in my development growing up was that I got to play against players who were in college when I was in high school, mm -hmm. like the rules were different. And I got to, got to see that. And your husband played at university of Portland. Um, we had, it was a different time here in, in Oregon. And there was a, a development system that in effect did this allowed players like myself or other players that were doing well in uh, the club environment to see players that would stretch them. And, mm. you know, I can tell you like from personal experience, when I was 14 and I got some of my first experiences playing against 20 year olds, like Michelle French or like um, Shannon McMillan, or, you know, like you think you're good. <laughs> and then you step into an environment and they weren't, you know, who they became at that point, they were in the mm. middle of that. Um, still developing themselves but you know when you get to have that experience you're like okay if I want to reach my goals I I'm I'm not close I'm not there I have a lot of it goals. is I think it's so helpful to see that too and I think even in a um like for me I we played against boys all yeah. the time like almost once a week our our team would train the boys team that was on the same field and I have to say they were a year younger than us but it that helps so much. And I recently yeah. we had a couple of mentees that we work with who were like talking about how they, they were told they can't play with the boys, that they'd be a distraction to the boys, which is a whole nother podcast. But I think we have to start thinking outside the box and preparing our uh, development is the true focus, which every club touts, even though they don't always sure. abide by that. Um, then you have to provide those different opportunities to challenge your players. And I agree with, you know, these players like uh, um, Chloe Ricketts and, and Melanie Barcenas and uh, Olivia, it's you're at that stage when you're just playing in, like you said, she was in the DA or whether you're in the GA or the ECNL and every other acronym that's existing. Um, you have to, it's really hard to find players at different levels. You know, when we were coming up, it was WPSL teams. Um, I know now with the USLW, there's a lot of opportunities, I guess you could say, more than yeah. what we had, but sure. it's still when you see it the highest level, like what you're talking about, a Shannon McMillan or Michelle French, like that you have, you finally have a goal. You have something to aspire yeah. to rather than just getting challenged. So I think that is really important. Um, and I, and I think that where else are these girls going to go? You know, it's like, they're going to be yeah. the best on their college teams too. Like, even if they're at a UNC, a Stanford, a UCLA, wherever they go, they're going yeah. to be the best, you know? And is that going to challenge them or not? I mean, it might inflate their confidence, which can't be a bad thing to be confident. But, you know, there's just, I think there's definitely an argument for this. Yeah. Yeah. But let's say, um, and, you know, I think the other piece of this is um, 
a lot of people aren't talking about the family support of these players. Um, sure. Every time I've reached out to one or talked about one, somebody who knows the girl, they're like, but you don't know our family. Like they are the most supportive, amazing people. And I know you know the Moultries personally, like they, they've gone above and beyond to make this happen for their daughter. And so I think if these girls have this opportunity and their parents are able to be the supportive of it, I think that's pretty special. What would you have to say about that? Oh, it's very special. And not everybody has that. And I think that that's a very, um, and can be a very important piece to this puzzle um, with young players coming up and and really, um, you know, they're trailblazers. This this hasn't happened a lot on the women's side. Um, and now we're, we're starting to see it um, little by little, player by player coming through. And, you know, we talk about the physical game and being ready to play and being an outstanding player. But the other piece of this is, you know, the mental game and um, having support in general from your family, from friends, from uh, the development system you've come from, from coaches, from the role models that you've had growing up. It's players aren't doing this, you know, in an isolated setting where they were just good at soccer and they just end up in a spot. Uh, it, it really takes uh, a lot of people. Um, and support to uh, make sure this environment is the right environment for players because you know th there's another side to this where not necessarily these players and I don't have the insight um, deep enough to, to comment on you know if it's the right time for some and not for others but I do think that there there will be naturally I don't think you know the league or the players or people coming up I don't I don't know that we're going to bat a thousand or everyone that comes out is just going to be the next great thing in the NWSL um, however, that's, that's part of it, right? That's, that's what challenging environments like this are. Not everybody makes it to the top. Uh, it's, it's pretty cutthroat. So having support and having, as you know, you do with female footballers, acknowledging the mental side and how much, uh, people really need infrastructure in order to be them best, their best selves on and off the field. Um, that's, that's very, very important with athletes like this. We can't forget when they're amazing soccer players that there's a lot of growth in other areas um, when you're, you know, still 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and the other argument I would say for all of this, which we've heard a lot of people on like our social channels talk about is, you know, the men are afforded this opportunity and always have been. And so if we are going to talk about equity and, and all that kind of stuff, we should 100% be allowing this and supporting it and um, celebrating it and all of that. What do you think about that? Just sort of like a piece to if, if the men have it, we should have it kind of argument. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really think about this in terms of um, men or women or just generally, I, I don't really put a division there. I think that people want to, and, you know, I'm sure that there are reasons that people do that, but um, I think that they're really great male players. I think they're really great female players. I think they're really great players in general, and they need to be in environments that um, they enjoy and that challenge them. And if they excel to the point that they're able as a minor to play in a professional environment, um, I I just don't see why, why not? Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's such a small part of the population that, you know, most people aren't one going to have the opportunity to do it. And then two, um, you know, it's once they get there, they're, they're going to have to prove themselves, whether they're at a club, whether they're in a professional environment, whatever the, that looks like. Um, 
know, there's, there's other things that, you know, like tie into this too. Like, for example, now these athletes are signing contracts, um, you know, but they, they're going in with either contracts or um, endorsements. Um, they're going in with other means of, of income um, where they're not going in and making $0 and then just if they fail, then they have to figure out college or whatever we think we can project what that would look like for them. Uh, I think that, you know, these people, it's a little bit more calculated than that. Um, and, and they're not going in blind. They're not going in completely um, dumb to the fact that they're giving something up potentially, although that's changing too with NIL. So uh, real time, we're looking at things changing pretty quickly. And while it might feel like, oh no, they, you know, they're giving up college or they're giving up this, um, I can I can guarantee that people aren't, <laughs> they're thinking about it. They're not going in and going like, oh no, you know, if this doesn't work out, now what? Uh, mm -hmm. People are being more thoughtful about this and they should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think maybe when Moultrie came out, that, that was more the thought because it was so new. And anytime something's so new, you're going to have your supporters and you're going to have your naysayers and all that kind of stuff. But as the now we have our third 15-year-old kind of signing um, I think people are, you know, the, the families that are choosing this are, are not just doing it on a whim, 100%. Uh, but there are, so let's get to the, the kind of cons or the worries um, that people have about this. Um, I'll be the first to say, as a parent, one of my concerns um, is more just, you know, when you're 15, you're still figuring out who you are. I mean, I'm quite much older than that, and I feel like I'm still figuring out who I am. So, you know, like at 15, you really are um, not 100% sure what you, um, all the different passions you have. And at, to go pro at 15, that means that you probably identify as a soccer player. Your identity, what you do and who you are is wrapped up into that. And I think um, that is an element of what it takes to play at that level, I would say. But it's also, that's as a parent, a worry, like for me, just, um, you know, and I'm, as a mental performance type of coach, I think that's a worry because we're always telling our players to make sure there's balance and sort of to um, not identify, you're your person first and a player second. Yeah. And I think, you know, like you said, like we said on the, the positives, I'm sure these families have a lot they're doing with that. Um, but I, I definitely, I, I worry about that whole piece of it. It's, you know, it's kids, you want kids to just feel like they could be kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because like you said, you're calling yeah. me minor. I call it, they're, they're a kid. And I know at 15, you don't want to be called that. I get it. But it ultimately you're, you're, you're young, you know? Yep. So um, some other thoughts people, you know, have brought to our attention or that we've talked about is um, the whole college education thing. Um, I wish that you could go, you know, try being a pro out at 15. And if it doesn't work out, you could go play college. Like, I wish that was an option. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, what do you think about that? Is that a really old school mentality to think like college is important? Uh, I think that college is important for a lot of people. And I think that that's right. That's that's the norm. That's what we've experienced for so long. And that's really served uh, our development in the United States for women for a long time. It served it well, it well because other countries didn't have the infrastructure to develop women, right? Women soccer players. So um, 
the college system is going to be for just about everybody if if they're a, a very good player. And then, you know, there's always people that it's it's not going to be for either. Some people will just end up not playing. Mm-hmm. But when we when we look forward at these these athletes that are really trailblazers, I think the if I'm <laughs> I like to I like to try to be as reasonable as I can about these things. I think it's too early. I, I think it's going to develop. One of the things that were I, I heard this multiple times when Olivia Moultrie when that situation was developing and she was gonna play with professionals. I heard a lot of people talk about Freddie Adu. <laughs> so, I mean, that was kind of their last uh, memory of an athlete coming out very early. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't necessarily develop into what people at the time when he was so young projected onto him that he should become. And mm-hmm. I think that that memory with her, um, when she came in, people, I, I heard that so many times and I was like, well, these are two vastly different times, situations, people, uh, we're just going to have to see how it develops. Cause I don't, I don't think that we know. And honestly, I'm not sure that leagues fully know at this point or colleges. Mm-hmm. I mean, NIL just, you know, just happened recently and this whole scheme of things, these, these are, um, we're reacting to it in real time. We're seeing people's reactions to um, change, right? And anytime things change, people are gonna, you know, they're gonna have, usually they have a hard time with it. <laughs> totally, I mean, I'm one of those people. Um, and <laughs> I can't you know, be one of those people. <laughs> I, I, think I, I think part of my um, worries come from being married to somebody who he went pro young. Mm-hmm. And luckily his parents were um, in our, very, they're big academics, you know, Stanford and Cornell type grads, UNH, and um, that was very important to their family that he finished college. So his parents made him sign a contract with them that he will finish college. And it didn't, there was no time limit on it. Um, So he left University of Portland, went pro, played eight years. And by the time he finished his career, he had finished college through night classes at DePaul University in Chicago. And um, it ended up working out for him. And I think why that was important was when you, one of my worries is when you're 15, you want to be a pro soccer player, but all athletes have a time where your body's going to break down. You're going to have to retire. And yeah. for soccer, that's younger than some other sports, right? Like, like football or baseball, maybe whatever, but, um, your body's going to break down at some point you're going to, ha- and you better really love every aspect of that sport because you are going to most likely pigeonhole yourself to have to get a job within that sport. And nowadays, there are so many different avenues you can go down, right? You can be in media, you can be a coach, you can be in sport, whatever, but you have to have other skill sets. And I think college is, for me, it's not, when I think of college and what I get out of it, and college soccer was amazing, I loved it. And it was a huge avenue for me to get an education. But the education piece alone was just to learn how to critically think and to have the time to figure out what I liked. Yeah. And it affords you extra time for that. And a lot of you know, young people need that extra time these days because high school is, you know, it's intense and you don't really get a ton of time to figure that out. And so being 15 and pigeonholing yourself into like, this is my, my route, that does work for a lot of people. Um, but it also, you know, 
it just, it worries me. The Freddie Adu conversation, I was probably one of those people that brought it up when Olivia Mulcher, because my husband played with him. And my husband, I remember he played for the Chicago Fire when he first got drafted. And there was a kid named Craig Capano who was like 16 on the team. And I don't know what happened to Craig, but I think what's interesting is there, whenever there's something new like this, there's so much media attention around it that it hypes all of it up for these girls. And that's another area that I get like mama bear comes out where I worry about them because they're young and it's like Mallory Pugh went through this too or sorry Mallory Swanson I keep doing that um I did it too but, I'm sorry Swanson. I know yeah but you know like she had fell out of the national team and when you asked her what happened she referenced being compared to Mia Ham and being this this hyped up media player at such a young age and it's like that did a detriment to her mental side of the game and so my my worries come from like there needs to be, like you said, infrastructure to support all avenues of the development of the player. And um, something else that worries me is that the NWSL is not the perfect league right now. We're getting, we're, we're making strides. We're working on it, which is great. But our history in the last few years has not been good. So to send these players into a league that has had so much trouble at times is also a worry. You know, I think it's like, this is where that support of the family becomes really, really important. And I think all of these girls have supportive families, which is wonderful. But, um, and I think, like you said, it's not a lighthearted decision, so we don't maybe have to worry as much, but it does concern me that like, there's there's gotta be supports. And, you know, I, I interviewed Angelina Anderson this past week and I've uh, another episode coming up, another NWSL player is coming out soon. And both kind of, they don't, they didn't mention that there were mental health supports. Um, like that they'd known of yet and they're they're both rookies i'm sure they have them so don't don't uh, quote me on this because i've not done the research on that but i hope that there are advocates and people for these girls to go to when they're struggling that are through the organization and the league not just that they have to seek out personally on their own or through their families yeah i you know it's it's interesting like and there are players that we you know we haven't even mentioned like sophia smith that plays for the thorns obviously she left um Stanford early and then we've got Alyssa Thompson that you know was just drafted um still a young player um yeah like recently uh it was people were talking about how she went to class and then she you know went out and scored a beautiful goal yeah Uh, and it was and um yeah these are these are athletes that are uh you know making an impact Smith's obviously excelling She's she's not just existing uh, in the league, leaving college early. She's you know one of the best players in the world, uh, and, and it's it's interesting because we're talking about we're talking about you know just a few players here, and we're talking about fifteen year olds, and we talked a little bit earlier about you know men's leagues and and you know younger boys. The thing is, is you know if you look at boys leagues, um, men's leagues, professional leagues, they there are lots of people that don't make it there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And maybe it wasn't the best decision for them, but they were allowed to make that decision. And then they're going to live with the consequences of however that plays out for them. And although it's a professional league and these are professional sports and people tend to key in on sports a little bit differently than they do other professions, you know, things don't always go perfectly for everybody um, through life. And this is just a magnified kind of experience where there's a lot of eyeballs on it. Um, just because people come out early um, and they become the best player, one of the best players in the world, or they end up leaving, 
I really think the autonomy should belong to whoever it is that's making the decision. And yeah, it, it's, um, I don't, like, like I said, I don't think we're going to bat a thousand on players mm -hmm. coming out. And um, we tend to think if a player comes out that if they don't become the best, right, because they were excelling early, if they don't become the best, that somehow it was a complete failure. And I think it needs to be a little bit more nuanced than that. Somebody could come out and play professionally and then decide they want to go to med school. They can decide they want to start a business. They can do a lot of those things. Um, but we tend to go, okay, young player came out now, now they're going to be on the national team and they're going to be the star. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the only narrative that goes along with players pursuing their dreams. Absolutely. And I think you're um, touching on kind of what I wanted to end with, with this was just if we take anything away from these early young signings, it's that there is not one path that fits all, and there is not uh, one trajectory that's perfect, and there isn't this ideal journey, and that every single situation is unique and different to that person. And I think that we, we have to, as a soccer culture and world, be more accepting of the fact that there are many different routes to get there, and that everyone's on their own little journey, and that we are lucky to live in a country that has a few different pathways, and that I think we're in a, going into a new realm of soccer where we're going to create more pathways, um, hopefully with different systems that will filter into the NWSL and give more girls an opportunity to play. So, I mean, I think that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this is, yeah, I, I'm going to have worries as a mom, a parent, a mental skills person um at the end of the day like these girls like you said are are such a tiny percentage of of girls that are getting there and they're the first so there's always going to be a magnifying glass on them but um you know i think we have to wait and see really we have to see what comes of it and you know i think our our best example of the youngest player in our women's side of the history and whether or not she did well was let's look at mia ham i mean <laughs> Miham was 16, right. <laughs> right? I mean, she did okay, I think. Like, like, I think that's where it's like, we're so worried all the time. And I'm, to be fair, I'm one of those people, but I do think we have to start looking at things a little bit differently and 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 um, letting, letting it play out. And I think Olivia Moultrie had, uh, you know, she made an impact with the Thorns as she got to play on the full team. And I think, you know, there's goods and bads of her first experience. One of the the greats was getting to see her play, scoring goals. I think that was really exciting. We have a mentor up at the Thorns, Taylor Porter, who was on our initial uh, conversation about Olivia, and she was at the time playing internationally in Spain, and then got pulled into the Thorns during the Olympic uh, session, and now as a teammate, and we've talked to her since then. And she's like, oh my God, she's so awesome, blah, blah. But then, you know, you have your moments of like when they won the championship, and there's these pictures that come out where Olivia's in the background watching her teammates like chug beer and smoke yeah. cigars. And I think Olivia's sort of like, I mean, the poor girl's probably never been to a party. I mean, she can't even drive a car at that point, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's where you you worry about like just life skills and what they're, they're being put into an environment that is very different, you know, and unique. And for me, again, my worries, like my husband was friends with a lot of these guys who were young. I mean, he played alongside and were friends with Landon Donovan, who's another example of a very young player thrown into all of that. They did very well, but socially struggled. Um, 
to kind of connect to his peers. A lot of the guys my husband played with, um, you know, struggled with athletic identity after soccer ended. I think that's where some of my worries come from too. Yeah. It's sort of like, yeah. well, you know, what are you going to do when this all ends? And are you setting yourself up for success? And only time really will tell. And hopefully our, our league, the NWSL, will provide those supports um, as time goes on. And I, I do have a lot of um, hope there. And I think that we will come through eventually. I think we are in a good direction right now with caring about the right things, at least at the highest levels. I would love to see that happen more at the youngest levels, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I've just been conversating with some people uh, that are involved or were professionals themselves about that very thing, about that infrastructure and um, wanting to impact it. Because, you know, other uh, existing leagues yeah, over over time, there have been additions of infrastructure of you know helping players transition from being an athlete to, uh, which tends to be kind of a different small bubble of the population to, then you know at some point you're you're not playing anymore, you're you're done, and so um, you know what that transition looks like and how to make next steps into what you're doing next because you can't you can't be an athlete through your retirement years i mean mm -hmm. traditional retirement years you're not going to like make it to 65 <laughs> we all know that right so there has to be some kind of some work around that i think that some you know people players are more receptive to that they you know they want that education they want to do those things and others aren't but having it available to players is a big important step and um, you know, I hope that that we move forward with that and we get to make an impact with that because I think the players will benefit great, greatly because we we know whether it's early or whether it's late, we're, we're not going to be professionals forever. Totally. And it, and it each, again, very individualized experiences for everybody. You know, it's hard to know which players are going to have a hard time with that transition and who aren't. You know, many of my husband's friends transitioned into other uh, avenues of, of the world and outside of sports and, and love it and didn't have an issue and others really struggled to find their place within the sport or um, using their identity as a soccer player to you know become a, a job within it it's just it's hard I mean we've talked with Shannon Box a few times and her organization ethos mentality and um, you know they're still very new but hopefully that takes off and becomes a, a big support within our side of the sport for girls. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to know. So we shall see. This is going to be a, an interesting season. So today we're, we're actually recording this on the kickoff. Uh, it is March 25th, the first day of NWSL season 11. And we're really excited to get to watch these players and see how their first seasons go and whether they get time and make an impact. And you have a, an even cooler um, role in all this up at the Thorns. You are a commentator for the Portland Thorns. So you're starting work this weekend, right? So tell us a little bit about, you know, you know your role within that, um, just so that everybody can know and, and get to watch you as well. Uh, my current role game day is um, pre and post show. I host a pre and post show with Nick Krupke, who's one of our um, sportscasters in the area. So we do player interviews um, and we, you know, like pregames, you know, we, we can dial that in and know what, what we're going to talk about and where we're going with things and the thorns will lift a, a banner and um, you know, it's a, it's a new season, which is very exciting. Post games are not that way because you don't know how it's going to go and you don't know when the interviews are going to come and you don't know how everybody's going to feel because, you know, after games, emotions can run high depending on, you know, how it went or what transpired. So 
um post games are almost like game days as a player where you get like amped up and you're like okay I just you know you're just reacting you're like okay you just got to roll with it you got to make the the best of you know when things don't go quite as you expect um and then you know there's there's the times where you um you know everything goes kind of according to plan but mm -hmm. yeah we uh we have a game to tomorrow kickoff is two but our pregame show starts at 1 30. do you guys plan sorry say it again who are you playing it just cut out oh they're playing uh the thorns are playing orlando that's exciting oh my gosh i'm so excited to watch you and um get to interview some of the the women on the team you guys have such an amazing squad up there and um maybe you'll get the chance to interview olivia on some of these topics i know you've probably had conversations with her before but um you know i hope uh to wrap all this up that that one listeners please you know go watch laura at the uh, at the thorns pre and post game now i'm really going to pay attention to the post game just to see <laughs> how it goes see what he's got things going on in my ear i'm like okay usually i look at nick because nick does this every single you know day this is he's he's a pro he's awesome so usually i just i get the opportunity to work off of him and he's great so that helps me out a lot are you in the studio or are you on the field you're in do you do both don't you uh both if they're away we're in the studio and if they're home we're in the stadium and um but during covid we got to uh we were in the um uh, we didn't go to the stadium uh, okay. so we did more studio time then yeah so this will be interesting though because you'll get a good insight into watching some of these the younger players within the league and get to kind of see um you know how they do and um if any of them listen to this which is highly doubtful but hopefully um <laughs> We really wish them the best. If any of you are listening and you know these players, we truly wish them the best. We are stoked to just have um, growth within the sport at all levels and to see girls excel and, you know, get to live out their dreams. I think that's the most exciting part of this. You asked me if I was 15, if I want to play pro soccer at that age. Hell yeah, of course yeah. I would. You know, I think like you know, I wish them the best and we're excited to see them. And hopefully we get them on here at some point, one of them to talk about their journeys so that they get the chance to talk about it from their perspective and not have to listen to all the, the noise around them about it. But um, I can't thank you enough for coming on because I think you have such great insight. You're always really level-headed with your opinions um, and well-spoken. So thank you for coming on. And, and this is not going to be the last time everybody hears from you because we have a lot of opinions on a lot of subjects. Yeah, so many opinions, so many things to talk about. <laughs> for sure. We're going to have you on again and we'll talk about other things. Um, let us know what you guys want to hear from Laura. She's got some really good, some some opinions on some stuff. So. Take some topics and run with it. Yeah, there are some topics. We will. Um, and we'll probably have on, you know, um, uh, Meredith and Rachel, uh, who we've had on as well, they we should get all three of you guys together to talk about some of these topics. But we should get Taylor on. Yeah, absolutely. Will you yeah. talk to her? Because you'll see her. But yeah, Taylor's one of our mentors. I don't know and... if she knows really who I am, so I, I'll be. I'll just tell her that I know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my God, she is amazing, and she's um, she's mentored uh, via Zoom, and she's also mentored in person. We had a couple of mentees up in Oregon, and they got to meet one on one and stuff. So. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we have a mentorship program twice yearly. We do our winter and our summer. Um, absolutely, please check it out. Our summer is going to be six weeks. Registration will open end of April. We're trying to get as many NWSL players as we can, but keep in mind they're in season. It's really hard to get them to commit uh, to mentor during season. That's why we offered our, our winter as well when they're off season. 
Um, but there's still a lot of great mentors. We have college players, international players, beach players, futsal players, you name it. So you got um, trying, we're trying, doing, we're trying to really prove. I mean, the whole point of it is to really show these girls there's lots of different pathways in this sport and that that's a great thing. And, and just like these young players, there isn't one size fits all. So we wish them the best. And thank you so much for being on. Can't thank you enough for thank your time you. today. Always and um, check out the Thorns games, you guys. Go check out Laura. She's pretty funny. I'm not going to lie. You're entertaining to watch. I've watched you before. So <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much. And um, we will see you next time. All right. Bye.